Hello once again, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Monolith Seeker. I'm your host, Steve Osborne, and I haven't done this show in about four months now, so I really wanted to touch base with you guys and just let you know I'm still doing it. I still plan on doing this show um, whenever I feel like it, and right now I feel like it, and for the last four months I haven't, so I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. I, I, I have some plans in mind. I have a lot of things I still want to do and cover and talk about on this show. I have a lot of people I still want to talk to and interview for the show. Um, but as of late, I've kind of just been focusing on myself and my own routines and things and trying to get some things in order for myself. And uh, as much as I love this show and I love doing it, I love putting these things out there, I do find sometimes, especially in like my meditation practice and when I'm reading or taking in new concepts that I want to talk about on here, um, instead of just sitting and absorbing or sitting in quiet like I'm supposed to when I'm meditating, I find myself rehearsing the way that I'll say it into the microphone. I'll talk about it, the things that I want to break down on here. And uh, that, that's kind of a problem for me uh, at times. I really want to just be able to sit and absorb what I'm reading, absorb the moment, be present. And it's hard to do that when I'm constantly looking forward at, at the point when I will sit down at this microphone and try to explain it. Um, it, you know, it can be distracting. So I, I needed to take a little break to kind of analyze that situation and, and see how I feel about it. Um, I, also, it's just been kind of a sluggish period for me spiritually as far as like, um, you know, finding new stuff that blows my mind and stuff. Cause I did so much deep diving in so many things, uh, and lulls just naturally happen. And, and, they feel like lulls. It feels like a lull to me because things aren't blowing my mind every day. Uh, but when you listen to spiritual teachers and, and you know, people involved in these kinds of things talk about those moments, um, I, I recognize that they're not stagnant. They're not moments of nothing and I'm not losing anything. It's, it's just a different type of growth. It's a different type of um, maturity, I guess, is what I've heard some people call it. When, when things stop blowing your mind every day and you're just in the world as it is, taking it in, and, uh, you know, the days just keep going by. <laughs> things don't stop happening. Um, so, I don't know. I've just been kind of balancing all of that. Um, trying to get, like I said, trying to get my meditation practice together again. Um, it has been through up and downs. And, um, yeah, there's, there's times I feel like you can sit and learn things from books and take things in that way. And then there's times when I feel like it's best to learn things from life. And the only way to know which time it is, there's big truck going by right now. I got the windows open. It's way too hot to not, um, <laughs> so you're going to hear a lot of background stuff. So, I mean. I'm just going to deal with it. I try to be a perfectionist about the sound too much, so we'll leave it alone for now. Um, but yeah, when you try to just take your things in from books, you don't actually, you don't actually get to 
feel it. You don't actually get to experience it. And so there's, I feel like times when life is just the lesson you're supposed to learn, just living your life. And I've had a lot of that recently. I've had a lot of really wild things happen um, in the sense of just things working out, things being very synchronized. And, you know, again, those moments used to blow my mind. Those moments used to be a thing that it was like, you know, I would have these earth shattering realizations. And when these synchronicities would happen, I would, uh, you know, my body would, you know, feel a certain way and I would get all excited. And now it's just kind of a thing that happens. It's kind of just something that's like, oh, you know, I'm behind on rent an insane amount of money and somehow that exact amount of money just gets dropped into my life to, to, to catch us up on, on all of our bills and things. That's just something that happens. It's like, it's, uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's so many things like that. Like not, not even just money, just, you know, thinking of something, something pops into my head that I might want to do or want to see. And then, you know, the person that I would think about doing that or seeing that with would just immediately hit me up and, and it would happen. Things are just connecting and flowing right now. And, it doesn't seem abnormal anymore. It doesn't seem, um, uh, it doesn't seem as special. It just seems like the way the world works. It just seems like the way the universe works to me now. And, um, you know, that might sound disappointing to some people that might sound like a low point, but I, I kind of like it. I kind of enjoy it. It's not, you know, it's not as, it's not always earth shattering. It's not always reality breaking. Like I like to, you know, what this show is about, but, um, it's something new. It's a new phase to be in. So I'm feeling it out. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't have anything prepared to talk about on here, but I have taken in a lot of random things, pop culture wise, movies, shows, um, ideas, books, things like that, that aren't necessarily aimed at spirituality, but have given me a lot of insight into things that, uh, I just like to see things laid out in a certain way and the way they play out and, uh, you know, novels, movies, TV shows, things like that. Um, they look more like living your life as opposed to reading instructional or historical or, you know, just purely spiritual texts. Um, when you get to see those principles come to life in places you don't expect, it's really exciting. Um, one of those things for me has been a movie that came out pretty recently and might still be even in theaters even because it's been doing so well. Um, but that movie, everything, everywhere, all at once has been like, I, I think it might be my favorite movie now. I, I have seen it twice. Um, I loved it. A lot of deep family issues that it deals with, but it also has a lot to offer like philosophically that I enjoyed a lot. Um, the whole multiverse concept, I guess, is something that's like pretty thick in our current culture. Um, the Marvel movies have done that shit to death. Uh, there's, you know, every streaming service has a movie they put out on the multiverse. Um, but I feel like all of that has been primer for this movie. This is the movie I think that does it best. Um, the whole multiverse thing I don't even know how to feel about it. Obviously, our choices, every little choice we make uh, kind of snowballs and makes 
our reality in front of us. Like that, that, that's how we create is by making choices uh, every day, every moment, every second. You're making a choice. I'm making the choice to continue rambling at you right now, and this is going to shape my reality. Um, and obviously that's a thing to me. That's something I believe. But uh, to see it laid out in separate paths in such a way that it's, you know, uh, the universe of this movie is so all over the place. Like, there's so many different wild places that things can go. And I think they did a really good job illustrating that and, and keeping it interesting. Um, but I think the thing that I like about it the most is kind of the moral of it. So, I don't know. I, I would recommend you see this movie before you uh, let me spoil it for you. So, you know, if that's something you plan on doing or watching, you can skip ahead. Or if you don't care about spoilers, then don't worry about it. But... I think the thing that is the most important about this to me is a lot of people when it comes to spiritual concepts and when you think about the multiverse out there, um, a lot of people want to focus on a timeline that they want to get to. They, they, they have an idea of how their life should have been and when it comes to practices like new thought and magic and you know um, reality transurfing, that's another one, it's like a timeline jumping uh, kind of spiritual teaching, uh, those, those things really focus on, like I said, getting what you want. Um, the same aversion that I have to magic in general. Not, again, not that I think it's wrong for anybody else to do it. If you want to do that, if that's your path, if that's what you choose to, or you feel called to do, then go for it whole hog. And that's great. And come talk to me about it. Cause I'm interested as hell, but, uh, that's not what I, that's not what I focus on. That's not where I'm at. And this movie does a really good job of putting kind of the perspective I have on things in, in place because this woman has access now to any, any universe that she exists in, she can be a part of. She can go to that place, she can go there and just live that life of her as a movie star, um, you know, martial artist, her as, uh, you know, whatever, whatever role that she could possibly find herself in, in this ever expanding universe, whatever choices she could make or whatever choices that somebody else could have made in the past that would change her trajectory or even her species, <laughs> whatever it might be. Um, she has access to it all, but kind of the moral of the story is, the the life that she has grown so tired of uh, is, you know, a life where she's doing laundry and taxes all the time. And she's got a tumultuous relationship with her daughter. And her husband is thinking about leaving her. And all of these other things are happening in her life. And instead of losing herself in what could have been and what, what she would like her life to look like, instead she decides at the end of the movie that the place that she needs to be is right here, right in this moment in the universe that she's from. She needs to take the time and energy and invest herself into her life here and make it what she wants it to be, make it the best that it can be, as opposed to fantasizing about what else there could be. And, you know, it shows at the end her kind of daydreaming and falling into other universes just sporadically, when she's not paying attention, you know, when she gets distracted or something, when she, she has a tendency to daydream in the movie and that's where she falls into her daydreams as these other universes towards the end of the movie. But, uh, 
she still makes the choice to be in the place that she has always hated because now she understands that she has the power through her choices to change it and make it better and make it wonderful. And that it's a unique experience that she's having right now as opposed to all the other ones. All, all of them are unique, but she's from this place. This is where she is, so why not just make it the best that it can be uh, as it is? And I think that that is super important because, like, what good does daydreaming about being a movie star, like, what does that, what good does that do if you're not going to actually take the steps to do that? If you're just going to try to hop into a timeline where you were a childhood star that grew up and got a lot of, you know, like whatever, whatever nonsense, uh, you can try to dream up about what your life could have been. What good does that do when you could just be taking the steps right now to make that happen in your own life? Uh, and you can see the things that are important in your own life right now, the things you don't want to lose. I, I don't know. It, it was a great movie in that aspect. And the other thing that I brought up that I love um, is the concepts of, like the bigger philosoph philosophical, excuse me, uh, concepts of everything and nothing, what the difference is. And everything and nothing in my mind and in the movie, the way it kind of illustrates it, are basically the same thing. It's, um, there's, so again, big spoiler for this, so skip ahead a little bit, but one of the plot points in this movie is that the, the antagonist, uh, is someone who basically can freely roam between universes, uh, due to an accident that she had. And, uh, one, she creates this. She creates a, well, it's an everything bagel. It's kind of, you know, punny, very punny, obviously. But she literally put everything in the universe and concentrated it onto this bagel. So this bagel is basically a, a, a void. And uh, that's the way that she wants to destroy herself because she can't really figure out how to navigate between these universes. So... She's just bent on, well, then I just shouldn't exist, and this is the only way to do it. And the thing that that, that brings up is, so why would everything put in one place, why would that destroy her? Well, that's because when you put everything, absolutely everything, the entire universe and all that it contains into one small space, you basically have nothing because there's no differentiation. The... Uh, the, the idea of something means that one thing is differentiated from everything else or from, you know, there, there has to be differentiation. And when there's no differentiation, you have nothing. And in that sense, everything and nothing are the same thing. Uh, and that's something that kind of compounds in the bigger moral of the story, which is the nihilism. It, basically, the... Uh, the, the whole vibe of the movie is the different faces of nihilism. When one person is saying nothing matters, so they're trying to destroy everything and blow everything up and don't give a shit about what's happening because nothing matters. But then somebody else realizes that nothing matters and it's freeing for them. It means that I'm free to make my own choices, to make my own path. And when I make those decisions, I decide what matters. I decide in my life what matters. I don't have to care what anybody else thinks. I don't have to care about anything 
because I'm the creator of what matters in my life. That's, that's my role. That's my, that's my job. To, to Basically, that's the whole point in being here is to decide what matters and what paths you want to follow. And when nothing matters, everything matters. <laughs> so decide what you want to pay attention to. Decide the places and the pieces that you want to put together. Decide what's important to you, who you want close to you, how you want to live. You know, those things are at your fingertips and you can make that happen at any point in time. And yeah, I don't know. that. Again, can't recommend this movie enough. I feel like it really opened my eyes to just the way things can look as opposed to the way they sound and feel philosophically. It's, it, it was kind of a good illustration of things that I've been thinking on anyways. And um, yeah, I don't know. On, on top of that, it, it was just funny. I thought it was funny. There were points where they would make a joke uh, but use an emotional note to, to hit the joke. And so I would literally be like tearing up while I'm laughing at certain jokes. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, maybe I'm just a total fucking nerd, but I loved this movie. I thought it was great. I made my mom watch it with me. I don't know if she liked it as much as I did. I don't think she did, but I, I loved it so much. I thought it was wonderful. So I highly recommend that movie if I didn't spoil it or ruin it for you just now. Um, and yeah, so Besides that, I guess something else that I've taken in recently um, from the constant recommending of a good friend named Sophie. Hi, Sophie, if you're listening to this. Um, I read two of Octavia Butler's books, um, Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents, and they were wonderful. I thought they were great. Um, I told Sophie, and I'm going to say this out here for everybody, that I would have a good, like a in-depth conversation with her about this. So I, I will do that still, but I want to put out some general thoughts on this book because it, it did make me think a lot. Um, so this book takes place in like a post-apocalyptic world kind of, uh, that starts, um, well, I probably started like two years ago, actually, or <laughs> I can't remember exactly when it, when it was supposed to have started in the book, but it takes place mostly in the 2020s and 2030s. And, uh, the, kind of overarching theme is that everything's falling apart and that people are just at each other's throats. Um, scarcity reaches an all time high and certain neighborhoods have banded together and built walls around their neighborhoods and made themselves safe from the outside world. And, um, everybody has to have a gun on them at all times, pretty much because you never know who's going to attack. Um, there's a drug that makes people obsessed with fire and that makes watching a fire uh, feel better than sex. So people are obsessed with setting things on fire and it's you know tearing up the entire country. People are just burning things down and going insane. Um, but amidst all of this is uh, the main character uh, who goes by the name Olamina through most of the book, um, or most of this the two books. I guess there were supposed to be more books. I didn't know that until I talked to Sophie the other day, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the whole thing that keeps her going is that she has this kind of philosophy that she wants to turn into a religion and her concept, her idea is that God is change. And, um, you know, she's raised Baptist and her father's a Baptist preacher. So she's kind of at odds with that, she doesn't believe in that system whatsoever. Um, she, you know, doesn't believe in a man in the sky. She doesn't think there's somebody calling the shots out here. 
She thinks that uh, the only thing in this universe that you could refer to as God would be the unstoppable force of change that is always occurring. Everything is always changing. Um, you know, there's a lot of really wise verses that she comes up with as far as anything that you, you touch, you change, and anything that you change changes you. Um, you know, a, a lot of really wise things like that. And I, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. It's a, it's a really cool way to look at the idea of what God can be. Um, as far as like my own personal beliefs, I don't believe that God is solely change. I believe that change is a face of God that we are constantly looking at and a force that will not be stopped. Change is going to happen one way or the other. Things are going to build. Things are going to overturn. And I mean, we're watching things change now at a rate that I don't think anybody could ever have comprehended 10 years ago. Uh, so that, that book, yeah, it's, it's really resonated with me. Well, I would recommend both of them, parable of the sower and parable of the talents. Um, they're both titled after biblical parables. I believe that Jesus told both of them. Um, but yeah, one, one is the, the parable of the sower is, uh, basically about someone who is sowing seeds in their fields and they're basically spreading seed carelessly all over the place. They're spreading it on the path. They're spreading it on uh, the road. They're spreading it, you know, through like hard and uh, hard cement. Uh, and then they spread it in the field and in the thorns and all over the place. They're just throwing seeds wherever they go. And uh, it's basically just talking about how you can you can basically send your message out there no matter what. You can send your message out to everybody. I could do this. I could say the things that I say on this show to absolutely everybody I come in contact with. But the only places that this, that this information is going to actually take root and connect with anybody and make a difference in anybody's life is where the ground is fertile, is where they're ready for it. If they're ready for it, then whatever information comes into their life, myself included, when I'm ready for it, Whatever information comes into my life will take root and grow and do things that I couldn't imagine. But if I'm not ready for it, then you might as well throw it to the, to the weeds. You might as well throw it on the path and let the birds eat it or, you know, on the cement where it can't take root. Like these are all different, you know, types of states of mind that it's supposed to be describing. And, and, uh, that, that basically holds true throughout the book. She's preaching that God has changed to, whoever she feels close enough with to say so in the beginning. And then as it goes on, she's just kind of putting it out there for everybody. And some people think it's disgusting. Some people think it's blasphemous. Some people uh, want to persecute her for that. And other people are like kind of taken aback and nobody accepts it outright immediately, but it grows, it grows inside of them and, and it changes them. And, you know, because, God is change in this. That's, that's just what happens. Um, and the parable of the talents is, is another good parable that I, that I like from the Bible as well. Um, basically in, in this, it's, I've heard this preached both ways. So it's kind of hard for me to, um, to nail down, but I've heard it talked about as talents, as in like, you know, things that you can do, things you're good at and excel at, things that you're natural at, 
or in in the the biblical like the English translation at least because that's all I know is um, talents are referred to as currency essentially. So basically, in the parable of the talents, there is a this is the actual parable, not the book. Again, I'm talking about the actual parables, not the book. I don't know if I made that clear enough. Uh, but in the actual parable from the Bible, there is a um, either a Lord or God himself that gives three men a different amount of talents. The first one he gives five, the second one he gives three, and the third one he gives one. Um, and the man who has five talents goes out and uses them, invests them, plays with them, expands on them, and he comes back with 10 talents. He's doubled. Uh, The second guy who had three does the exact same thing. He goes out, uses his talents, uh, invests them, plays with them, comes back with three more. Uh, The person who had one talent buries it because he doesn't want to lose it. He's scared of losing it. He doesn't want to do anything with it. He just wants to keep it safe. So he buries it, doesn't do anything with it. And then when the Lord or God or, or whoever it is in the story, because I can't remember even though I just read it at the end of this book, uh, <laughs> um, when he comes back, he asks them what they've done and they all present what they've done. And, you know, he congratulates the man with 10 and the man with six because they've done exactly uh, what he'd hoped they would. They've gone out and used and, you know, multiplied and, and done done things that, taken chances, you know, done things with it that uh, that could have gone bad, but ended up working out because they had faith that, you know, if they used their talents, that things would go well. And they shared them and, you know, it did. It went, it came back to them twofold. Uh, but to the one that had one talent, he says, you know, you've, you've buried it. You haven't done anything with it. It's, I don't, I, I didn't want to just have one talent come back, you know, so he takes that talent from the man with one and gives it to the man with 10 because that person's done the most work. And that's kind of something that the, that that book shows because that's more of a, a, a building that, that book is more about taking chances and getting out there and, uh, doing what you believe is right. No matter what saying what you know is right, no matter what, and not letting, uh, the consequences, the risks you're taking, uh, inhibit you in any way, which I think is important always. Everybody knows that. Uh, <laughs> it's just a good illustration of that. Um, those two books are wonderful. I won't go into too much depth on here with them because they're really complex. There's a lot of things that I would like to talk about with them, but I will talk to Sophie about them first and then bring it back to you potentially. Um, yeah, so I hope Sophie's okay with me saying her name on here. Uh, I'll have to ask her before I put this out. <laughs> if you hear a name, then uh, then she's okay with it. If not, then uh, she's not. But okay, so let's see here. And then yeah, the the other thing that popped into my head that I kind of wanted to talk about is um, I just recently started putting on in the background of my you know normal routine when I'm working out or when I'm just kind of walking around the house when I'm doing things. Uh, I just leave on. My name is Earl. I love that show. It was like a comfort show for me years ago. Uh, I always thought it was great, but, uh, it's, it's hilarious to me. It's a, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with it, the, the show is basically, uh, this guy who has been a dirtbag his entire life. He's ripped people off, stolen from people, done pretty much anything illegal that you can imagine almost. 
and uh, he starts to realize that his life is trash, that he hates his life. Uh, so he hears while he's so the I mean the hinge point of this is he wins the lottery he wins a hundred thousand dollars in the lottery and then in his celebration is immediately hit by a car and loses the ticket um, and then while he's healing he hears Carson Daly on TV that's dates it obviously uh, he hears Carson Daly talk about karma and uh, you know how he just the the most simplified western uh, kind of even bastardized version of karma is do good things and good things happen. So that's kind of his mantra. He he writes down a list of everything that he's ever done wrong in his life that he can remember, and he starts trying to make up for them one at a time. And as he starts doing that, things start going well for him. You know, the first thing that he makes up for, uh, he gets that he finds his winning lottery ticket just blowing in the wind, and that basically funds his ability to be able to finish the rest of the list. And uh, it's just interesting because he keeps going, and, and as it goes on, he's always adding to the list because he's like, oh, I forgot I did this shitty thing to somebody 10 years ago or two years ago, or I was drunk and I did this awful thing that somebody just told me about, so now i got to make up for it. And I don't know. I think it's a uh, – I, I don't think it's a – accurate illustration of karma whatsoever but uh it is really funny to see karma uh being like such an active force in the show like it's very prominent as soon as as soon as something he does you know something in one direction or another he either gets slapped in the face with consequences or things start to loosen up for him but the thing that i think is realistic and interesting about the show is that um when he does do good things Sometimes what he wants or what he thinks would be a good thing happening to him doesn't happen right away. Sometimes the, the result he gets looks bad. He thinks something terrible is happening to him, even though he's trying to do the right thing. But eventually it always comes around to, oh, it's better that this happened this way because now it opened up the door to this whole other, you know, this other world, this other relationship with a new person or, or something else that, uh, that is better than I could have imagined. I mean, you know, like just because it's not what I wanted doesn't mean that it's not going to be better for me in the long run. And I think that's a good lesson to learn. Um, but the one episode that really stood out to me that I thought was really interesting and cool was like towards the very end of the show. Um, he runs into a guy who used to be a crook too, but he turned his life around. He was like a gangster. He used to, you know, rob and steal and, and shoot and murder. He did all kinds of crazy stuff. And he turned his life around and became a pastor of a church. And uh, basically the plot of that episode is he keeps realizing that he's, every time he thinks he's making up for something that he's done wrong to this guy who is now a pastor, um, he finds another thing that he did. He realizes that he's just screwed this guy over in every way imaginable. He stole uh, a pipe organ from his church uh, he stole his tools when he was a construction worker. He slept with his wife. He's like, you know, done all of these crazy things. And uh, at the last minute, you know, he tells him that he shot out his taillight once. And and at when like you know this pastor has reached his end and he's considering turning back to uh, a life of crime, basically because he wants to murder Earl. When he tells him, you know, I also. I also broke your taillight. I'm sorry. That's just one more thing to add to the list before you decide you want to kill me. 
the guy stops for a second and he's like, that's actually the thing that changed my life. I got pulled over for that broken taillight and it, it changed my life. But the, the reason I like this episode really doesn't have much to do with that at all. I don't know why I just explained all of that to you. The thing I love about it is that Earl is having this conversation with him and the force that he's reckoning with is karma. He's talking about karma the whole time. And it's a very potent, powerful force in his life that changes things for him constantly. As long as if he's playing with it and acknowledging it, it's doing things for him. And this other guy is having that same experience, but he's calling it God. He's having that experience with what he believes to be God. And I think that that is just a really good illustration in such a simple way of what's really happening. We're all looking at the same thing and we're seeing something different from our own perspective. We're seeing the thing that makes the most sense to us and that we can use in our lives the most. If what you see in all of this mystery is something that you want to call God, something that you want to worship in a church, you know, once, twice, three times a week, however many times you go, something you want to kneel and pray to every day, that, you know, what, however you want to worship it, then that's, that's, that's your path. That's what you're doing. If you see something that is uh, just an amorphous force or something that you're a part of or something that's moving through you, something that you can participate in, then that's how you're doing it. It's really the same thing that we're all talking about. And the idea that we could sit and argue about all of it and what it really is and what it really isn't is kind of moot. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, like, I don't know. I, I obviously have my feelings about the institutions of religion and those things. But at the end of the day, those people who participate in those religions and who are even sometimes doing things that are harmful for other people, they're just looking for a way to try to make sense of the mystery of it all. And that's all anybody's doing. Um, but the, I mean, yeah, I, I like that about it. The other thing I like about it is, like I said, um, the show makes a really good illustration of the way that you play with things in your life. And when you, when you look for something, you find it usually. When you look for a force, when you start to acknowledge something that you see having an effect on your life, then you start to see it everywhere. And then it starts to be the thing that is around you all the time. It's something you can't ignore. Um, you know, I see people have that happen with astrology. If you, if you start acknowledging the way that the planets and the stars and, you know, the, the motion of heavenly bodies, if you start acknowledging the way that those things affect your life personally, then you start to see the ripple effect on everybody. You start to see how these things are, are changing our reality all the time. Um, you know, for, for Earl, it's his version of karma. I have my own idea of what karma is that, that really stands out to me. I, I just, just quickly to sum it up, I haven't done any research on the actual, um, definitions of karma. I haven't, I haven't did, like dove too deeply into that whole thing. Maybe that's something I'll talk about in, in a later reincarnation episode. Um, because some people do believe that, I mean, it, it is considered to be the driving force behind uh, reincarnation, but it's also considered to be the driving force behind just life. It's uh, like, if I could best, if I could best, like, sum it up, 
I would say that if the universe is a computer, then karma would be the operating system. It's basically just the, the uh, force through which we organize our experiences. And um, the idea of good and bad karma, uh, you know, exists in some places. Some people will talk about good and bad karma, uh, just like in the show. You do good things and good things happen. You do bad things and you get smacked in the face. And, you know, that can go on for an eternity of lifetimes over and over and over again. You, you know, living out consequences or whatever. But I don't think the universe, I don't think my concept of what God is, the all or whatever you want to call it, has a concept of good or bad. Everything just is. Things are. And when you're doing those things... When you're creating karma, you're creating them with a certain vibrational wave. And you might like certain vibrational waves and you might dislike certain vibrational waves, but it's all up to your perception. You get what you put out, essentially. But I don't think that has anything to do with punishment or reward. I firmly believe it's literally just a driving engine for experience. It's it's how we organize our experiences. Like I said, I, I'll go more in depth into this. Like I said, in a reincarnation episode, because I'm going to do another one coming up. Um, there's an episode I want to do on hypnotic regression, because that's another way that people research and talk about reincarnation a lot. And I've read a couple books on that recently. And that'll, um, the whole experience karma thing will come up in that. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that one is going to be my last reincarnation episode for a while. I would like to eventually come back to it and look at it from another angle. But after I get that one, this, you know, part three or part four, I think it is, out of the way, um, I'm going to be done with it for a little while just because I, I, I need to take a break and, and kind of investigate and dive into other things because there's so many things I do want to get to on this show. Um, another one. That I would like to, another thing I would like to talk about very quickly and something that I will again talk about more later um, in a, you know, more focused way is uh, I recently watched a documentary that somebody put together on uh, the concept of simulation theory. Um, and if you're not familiar with simulation theory, basically the idea behind it is that um, we live in a simulation. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing. Um you know, what that simulation is, how it's held together, um, you know, that is differentiated between whoever you talk to and whoever's doing the research on it, whatever they personally believe. But the idea is that this thing that we're in, this reality, this physical thing that we're touching and, and being a part of every day isn't the base reality. It isn't the bottom of, of all of it, that there's that this is basically some kind of um, uh, either metaphorically or literally that this is something that is coded, that this is something that is programmed and that we're experiencing it. And, uh, you know, whether it's by choice or by trap or, you know, however it might be that this is that this base reality, that this thing that we think is physical reality isn't actually the base reality. Uh, the movie that I watched was called A Glitch in the Matrix. I think it's on Hulu right now. Um, and it was it was interesting. It was really good. 
Um, there's some people on there that I really liked the way they talked about it. And there's some people on there that I completely disagree with everything that they had to say. But it was just interesting to hear it from all sides because it is such a wide concept. It's basically... Some, it's similar to talking about God because there's people who believe that God is this literal man in the sky. There's people that believe God is more of a concept, more of a, um, you know, something philosophical to, to consider, but um, not something that has any bearing on our lives. There's people like myself who believe that God is just what we call the collection of everything and the forces that are moving it, the thing that we participate in that, you know, there is nothing that isn't God. So, you know, I've talked about it ad nauseum on here, so I don't need to go into it too much. But uh, yeah, you know, like that, that it's that basic thing. So, uh, you know, there's some people who don't believe God exists at all. I think he's a total myth and that that's just a, you know, something that people tell themselves to make themselves comfortable and that everything is actually a base physical reality. Um, in simulation theory, there's a lot, there's like similar trajectories all over the place. Um, I think the idea of simulation theory really does a good job of summing up in some ways, the things that I do believe about the universe. I do believe that this physical reality isn't all there is, that there's layers that are deeper and deeper and deeper. And as we go up through those layers, up or down, I said deeper, so now I need, feel like I need to go down. But what I mean is up. It's bigger. It expands. <laughs> As we go up, I feel like we kind of understand how we're all connected. And as that happens, you know, we kind of slowly merge back into the one thing that we all are experiencing all of this. Um, in the simulation theory documentary, I think the most important thing that is said in the entire documentary is one of the first things that is said in the entire documentary, um, there's a guy who talks about how when he was in college, uh, he had a professor that talked about how our latest technology or our most important technology in human history at the time is what um, we think governs our reality. It's the thing that, that make up reality. So, at the time when like aqueducts and like, you know, uh, like plumbing and all of that stuff, when that was the height of technology, the thing that we thought governed us was humors. We thought that different fluids came in and changed the way that we perceived reality. Um, and you know, that our, all of our experiences were based off of these fluids that were running through our bodies. And then, um, you know, industrial revolution, everything is mechanical. Um, we start to think about the body as a machine. We start to think about it as, you know, something that can be maintenanced and, and, and it's all this weird physical, um, you know, it, it's just a machine. You, you put fuel into it, uh, you get energy out of it and, uh, there's waste, you know, it, 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 a lot of, a lot of analogies work for the body and the machine. Um, and then his teacher, the last thing she said was, now we know that our reality, that our brains are basically like computers because we've invented computers and computers run everything. Now we, now we can say that our, our brains are more like computers. And he said that he raised his hand and was like, well, until we find the next thing, right? Like our reality, our brains are computers, but that's until we figure out what the next best technology is. And she said, no, our brains are computers. <laughs> and he said he did really poorly in that class because 
that was just kind of her attitude towards everything, um, which is really interesting to me. But, but that, I think, is the most important thing. We look at things as a simulation. We can call it simulation theory. We can call this a video game, or we can call it, you know, the metaverse. We can call it whatever the hell we want to call it. But at the end of the day, we're just using a metaphor. And I think that's so important to know. I think that's so important to keep in mind with everything because we're always just using a metaphor. We can't talk about the depth of these mysteries. We don't have the words. We don't have the experience outside of these, of these physical bodies to call on and explain exactly what's happening. So everything that we talk about in spiritual realms and in, in bigger mysteries, whether they be science related or whatever, we don't have the vocabulary to talk about them yet. We don't have the level of discovery to talk about them yet. We don't know. We don't know if we can even put these things into words ever, but we're doing our best and we're making the analogies as we can. And right now, one of the good ones we have for what's happening is simulation theory. And that's something that, you know, Hindus have talked about for years. That's something that Gnostic Christians have talked about for years. And again, they all take different standpoints on what the simulation is and how it runs. Uh, a lot of people in this documentary are in the Elon Musk camp, which anytime that guy's name's brought up, I have to try to not gag. But uh, he does make a couple of a small appearances in the documentary, not directly, but they use footage of him talking about simulation theory. And um, his whole point is that if we are living in a world where our technology is looking more and more and more like the real world and we're playing video games and we're, we're using these immersive headsets and things to get inside of this virtual reality world, if that's something that is going to continue getting better, then there will eventually be a point where we can't tell reality from um, the simulation anymore, that we're going to get lost in the simulation and think that that's reality at some point in time. And his theory and many other people who have this theory of a physical, actual, like, you know, digital simulation that we're in, some kind of computer that we're all living in. Um, the whole idea behind that is that we have no way of knowing ever if we are in or outside of that simulation because what we could be doing is just mirroring what, uh, what, what's already happening to us when we create these simulations. Uh, we could be actually, it could not be the year 2022. It could be the year 3000 something. And these simulations could be so powerful that we're in them thinking that we're actually living this timeline, but we're actually just playing a game and we've forgotten. And, uh, that, that's something that a lot of people gen, genuinely believe. They believe that this is a nuts and bolts wired universe that was created out of some CPU, some processing unit is basically, like the one guy puts it, he thinks that there's just a big black sphere that is our universe that is just a computer running in the middle of some kind of uh, museum or something and that we're just one of the many universes that this advanced civilization has created and we're just wires. And I, I think that that is a bit asinine because the idea that they're, that we're not in base reality to me, um, seems a lot more likely that if this isn't base reality, then base reality probably isn't physical at all. There probably is not 
another physicality universe um, just outside of this one, that that's the actual base reality. Because, like I said, I mean, I talked about what I believe, what I think is actually going on on here so many times. But, yeah, I, I think that these layers get less and less dense as we go up through them. Um, God, I hope I'm not being too confusing right now. I'm just kind of rambling. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you come in here with no plan. Whatever. That's fine. That's what this is. So I, I, I'm going to go into simulation theory more later. Um, I want to talk a bit about Robert Anton Wilson. Um, I'm going to talk about Grant Morrison and the Invisibles. Like I said, I'll do that. Um, I'll do that last reincarnation for a while. Um, yeah, I just have a lot of a lot of things I want to jump into on here that um, I, I just haven't had the energy to take in lately because I've kind of wanted to focus on other things, but I will I will do that. I promise I'm not giving up on this show. It's just I needed a break, so I took one. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up here, actually, because this is about as long as I wanted it to be, and I'm running out of things to say. So thank you so much for listening uh, and catching up with me. Uh, I know, like I said, I know it's been a while. It might be a while before the next one too, but hopefully not as long as this one. Um, yeah, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, you know, there's links in the description, but um, I'm trying to move away from Instagram and Twitter just because those things are soul-sucking, but at MonolithSeeker on both of those is my handle. If you want to try to get a hold of me there, I'll get messages and things, and I will respond as I see them. I would love to have conversations about any of these kinds of things. Um, I also have an email address. Uh, it is MonolithSeekerPod at gmail.com. That's the way that I would prefer to talk to people on here. Um, but, you know, like I said, reach out whatever way is most convenient and, and easy for you to have a conversation. Um... Yeah, so I'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Thanks so much for listening and making it this far into me just rambling about things that I've seen lately. And, um, yeah, I'll see you again soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.